Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 22nd chapter. And as you'd have this wonderful story, we begin at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called the Passover. Jesus' last days before crucifixion and consequently his resurrection and sends for his disciples and then he prepares a meal with them. And that's where we see the breaking of the body and the cup which is in the New Testament for his blood which is shed for us. He prophesies all that should come to pass before his ascension. But in there, in the 21st verse, it says that hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on this table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. Verses 23, they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. See, one of you is going to betray me. So these 12 sit down and start to say, who? Oh, who looks like they can betray? Let's start assessing and analyzing our lives. Who looks like they are going to betray the Lord? The journey begins. In there, while they're still contending with that, verses 24, where now I'm going to lay the emphasis or the foundation of what you must learn today. There was also a strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? This is where I want to lay our emphasis. So, presumably, presumably, and I repeat that, I'm assuming, while they were looking for who would betray this man, to and fro, they say, maybe let's rank ourselves first. And, you know, from the least to the greatest, because maybe the least person should be the one to betray this man, I think. So they start contending with that. Peter is better than John. No, no, John. No, no, no. Come on. John sits with this guy every time. Ah, look. Ah, he sends Luke a lot. Uh, ah, Judas. Judas keeps money. I mean, how much would you love a man except to keep the bag? So I see that there is contention of who is the greatest. And then Jesus says to them in the 25th verse, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. He's saying, Look at the kings of this world, look at the kings of the fallen realm. They exercise authority over the people below them, and they, the kings, are called benefactors. And then he continues to say, but you shall not be so. That is not how Jesus is saying, I have designed the kingdom of God. 
But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. Any among you is the greatest. Let him be like a younger one, or if he desires to be chief among you, let him be as one which serves. 27, for whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth? Who is greater? If you go at a party and you have a high table and then they are serving all kinds of food on the table, Jesus asks a very common sense question. Who is greater? The one who is being served or the one who is serving? And Jesus says, is he not that sitteth at meat? In other words, isn't it obvious that the man being served, you go at a wedding, right? Then you find a couple seated on a high table and then there are people serving them food and stuff. So Jesus asks, who is greater of the two? Who is the greater person? Is it the person serving the bride and groom or the bride and groom that is being served? And Jesus said, the one which is served is greater. But, he says, I am among you as he that serveth. So Jesus here is implying that if I was to appear in the flesh and I was at a wedding, I would not sit on the choicest table. I would be somewhere among those people which are serving food or tea. That's who I am. That's my heart. That's my person. That's my nature. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Why is it important for us to learn this text today? It's because a lot in the world has changed. And it's almost as though even the greatest teachers supposedly in the world don't seem to even read their own Bibles anymore. I tell you the truth. If it was a show of hands to ask how many people in the last two weeks have opened their Bibles to study in their personal time beyond your service on Sunday or Thursday. You just sat in a room with your Bible just to read or study on your phone or something. The show of hands. And I'm not asking you to put up your hands. Because some of you will you look at the guy and you'll be like, <laughs> not because you read your Bible, but how your hands look down when a certain other person's hand is up. That spills into the ministers too. We're not readers of our own truths as we chew. Even though we are teachers, we don't study the word as we should. Everything now is starting to twist. And I believe this is why we no longer see the power of God in the church. Neither the demonstration of his wisdom like we have read in the years or ages before. We're losing the plot quicker than ever before. Sometimes I watch the events that take place in the church in other shops. Notwithstanding, I need to emphasize this before I go deeper into what I'm supposed to help you understand. It is 
wisdom number one to honor the anointed let me first begin from there by the way there are people who are stuck because they do not know how to honor the anointed Bible tells us give honor to whom honor is due tribute to whom tribute is due custom to whom custom is due fear to whom fear is due god has told you that there are people which are due some honor some custom some tribute bible says give it so i'm not saying that we shouldn't honor people because i know that there are certain anointings you can only attract when you learn to honor the anointed and yes yes and i'm talking about every field of life the business person honor those which have gone ahead of you in business it shall be well with you if you're not married and you're aspiring to get married this is why you should not talk to a married woman see what i'm saying it's common sense but very deep and i can tell you scripture upon scripture the bible speaks of people which are communicating to you taught in the word he says let him that is taught in the word if you know that somebody teaches you the bible says communicate to that person that teaches you in all good things there are things you're not going to get on a prayer mountain because you know how to pray but there are things you're going to get because you know how the principles work of this life you follow what i'm saying how can you dishonor teaches you or in other words how can you lay passive where the one which teaches you has a need you can fulfill now we're not asking of your gold and silver i don't need a new shoe i don't need a suit i don't need a new tie so we're not asking from you to give us no we're not lacking men we're not poor Are you following what I'm saying? But I learned this very early. And this is something I have done all my life. I have communicated to every man as far as I could that has taught me. Because God requires it. He speaks about the elders in the church. He says let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. That double honor is not supposed to be only for the special man of God in the church. All the elders that rule well, they should be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and in doctrine. God respects and honors his servants. Some of you don't know that. You think God just sent us. No. The Bible says if any man serve me John 12:26 let him follow me and where I am there shall also my servant be If any man he says serve me him will my father honor So when a man or woman serves God heaven honors that man Do you understand So you cannot dishonor 
or treat lightly what heaven has honored. Unless you don't know God. But God honors his servants. There are things that cannot happen to me because I'm a servant of God. You see what I'm saying? There are places where I can pray and I know that I'm hard because of the relationship I have with the Father. You get my point. There are gates I can open. There are doors I know I can communicate to. Because I know the rank I have with God. God honors every man or woman who serves him. Now, it's out of that spirit that he tells you to also honor them because he honors them. Did you get it? There's a difference between honoring a person and worshiping them. It's not saying worship them because they're not your God. But he's saying honor them. But here is the catch. And I'm going to underline, bold it, italicize it if I have to. Strike through. Honor is given, not demanded. Are you following what I'm saying? It's your responsibility to honor. It's not your responsibility to ask for the honor. There's already something wrong with that equation. When a man is telling his son, hey, hey, respect me, I'm your father. Isn't there something wrong already? If this child has known you for their father since they were born, you should not be telling them to respect you because you're their father. Sounds wrong. Sounds out of equation. Praise the Lord Jesus. So I'm not talking to us as to demand honor from men because we've earned our rights. I'm talking to us to give honor because it is godly and wise for us to what? To give honor. Are you following what I'm saying? In there then is the wisdom of expecting that you will be honored if you serve well, if you do well. But in the honor that you expect to come because God will honor you anyway, therein also is the reconciliation of wisdom to know how to carry that honor. Because you could become an idol and a stumbling block to those who honor you. Or you might find yourself inflated with such a pride that you might walk out of tangent with divine purpose. Are you following what I'm saying? This is a very deep thing. It's a very, very deep thing. This is one of those sermons that will not attract so much attention. And I'll tell you why. Because the Lord showed me something that we're in the age of Jezebelic infestation. I call it Jezebelic infestation. The spirit of Jezebel has infested the church. And that's one of the most lasting spirits I know in scripture. One of. And because Jezebel is an lasting spirit, it is transactional. And because it is transactional, it raises its own pattern or way according to the lusts of men. It draws men by lust, need, problems, 
challenges. That's how it draws their attention. And so it only ministers to the fulfillment of their carnal needs, their physical cravings, their overt wants. Because Satan now has learned or has known that to divert them from divine purpose and assignment, you don't need necessarily to harm them in their way. You could actually minister to their lust and keep stirring them into more lust until they're all filled and satiated with lust. And they keep coming because they want more of God, not in God. You only minister what his hand can give, not what his heart can teach. So it's like a little dog. You carry a bone and then you wave it and the dog follows you with a bone because it wants to eat a bone. And then you do this. It comes in a circle. You roll like that. It rolls with you. You throw. It goes for the bone because it wants the bone. Oh yes, they are consistent in service. Oh yes, they can serve. Oh yes, they can give. Oh yes, they can pray. Oh yes, they can fast. But the end of everything behind it has a deep spelling of lust. It's what they will pick that day from God to improve their way of life. But that's it. That is why you now have a church that is full of more followers than missionaries. They're taking every Sunday, every Thursday, every weekday, but they're not givers. Because if you look at their heart, many of them are driven by that unfulfilled desire always to have more and more of God's blessing but without understanding his assignment, his heart. If I preach to someone like how to get rich quickly, 50,000 views tomorrow morning, because it ministers to their lust. I cannot tell you how many people come to church because they need a job. How many people come to church because their marriage is failing? How many come to church because they fail to conceive? How many people come to church because she's aging and nobody is proposing? That's the issue, really. Yeah, we are fasting, but that's the issue, really. She has prayed, fasted, given, done everything. And because it's a lasting, the principle of pleasure will tell you that you can only crave for something for a long time. And then eventually, if certain things are not satisfied in your cravings, you're going to look for somebody else to minister to that, the pleasure you pursue or seek. Because it has no wisdom. It's a fallen world. It's canon. So you know what happens? I think this man of God teaches, but 
I need more. So they get another teacher on YouTube or Facebook. They add on their list. I think this one explains more than this one. Then they watch. Then they discover another one. Then they watch. Then they discover another one. They have four, five teachers. They're all teaching what they understand. But the marriage has failed. But the business has failed. Ten years in. Oh, this is a deep teacher. I'm listening to a deep teacher. Oh, so grace is deep. Have you changed? Has your marriage changed? You see what I'm saying? So some of them you find, Apostle Grace is a good they consume to continue ministering to that lust for the pleasure they're looking for. He's the option too. Like other people who teach like him. You see what I'm saying? But they're losing the point. Because I tell people, as you continue to mature, one of the signs that you're maturing, your teachers will reduce. You start celebrating the voice that stirs you and the voice that instructs your destiny. There are voices that can stir you into faith, into prayer, into that story. And it can fix something on your life. But then you'll meet a voice that will speak into your destiny. As you continue to grow, you realize this is the voice for my destiny. See, I've been in the gospel for more 20 years. I've said this. And I can tell you for a fact. We used to have experiences, or we've had experiences where this person goes to the best church. Huh? Best church. They assume. And then, Another person goes to a church, no doctrine, the doctrine is wrong. There's a lot of things that are out of line. And then you study these two believers as a specimen for five years and ten years. And the sad thing then is you find that sometimes the person even in the church that was even with wrong doctrine or incomplete counsel has a more stable marriage, more consistent business, a more furnished character, a more consecrated life with less revelation. Then you study somebody who has a buffet. They got it all. I mean, it, it comes as they want it. They even have a few more YouTube things and they can afford internet. You look at them five years, six years, 10 years, same nasty attitude, same indifference, same poverty. Things are just not working. So you say, at the church this person goes to. You know, in my earlier years, I've shared this, I went to a church. It was a teaching church. There was no uh, spectacular demonstrations of power. Like, I never sat in a meeting once and a blind eye opened. You get those things, eh? Like, I never sat in a meeting once and a deaf ear popped open. I never saw it that with my eyes. Oh, there were miracles. You could hear a few healings here and there. And there were special days. But it wasn't the consistently the fiery kind. It was more like 45 minutes. They teach you God. And then during that time, I was exposed to some fiery ministries that had also been around. Demon chasing, tongue speaking. Oh my God. Miracles happen. I saw. And 
was amazed. I said, wow, this is amazing. I don't see this on our part. Then the Spirit took me aback and said, study the individuals or the members of these churches. And when I studied them, I discovered I saw more success in every area of life with those that were taught than those that dwelt in the fire every week. Those that sat in the fire every week. I don't know whether some of you can take some time and study these things or you just look on and they pass. Some of us are very contemplative. And because we're contemplative, we take time to study every detail of this thing. You just need to go out on a busy Sunday and look in the two parkings, the tote and the ones in the flame every day. Here you find 400 cars, here you find 20. See, see, but there's fire here. There's fire in the bones. Here there's no fireworks. How come we're seeing more results here than? Are you following me, child of God? I saw people who were in religious institutions. There's a man right now sitting in an Anglican church. And you might be sitting here saying, ah, these guys, they don't understand yet. They will give you 20 years and compare you. You're still dealing with bitterness, envy, unforgiveness. You understand? Everything you know of an unconverted soul. Then you'll find this dear man in the Anglican church converted and ready for heaven because it's more than just going to a good church. It's more than sitting under, yes. It's more than sitting under the deepest prophets, deepest apostles. We have not learned a reconciliation of Christ, the power and the wisdom of God. Am I saying I'm against fire? No, we need the flame in the church. But you cannot have a flame that cannot reconcile with the wisdom of God. And neither can you have a wisdom that will not reconcile with the flame. But especially people who pursue power, because wisdom is not yet built in them, you find that most of the power they pursue is pursued out of lust. That's why some of you have more troubles than you had last year. Every year you have more trouble than the years before. You say, but I got born again. Now I have more problems than I had before I was born again or so. But there's revelation. I'm confessing. Ah, 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 ah. Examine your heart. Examine your heart. Why do you really come? See, those that must come to God must know that he is. But also that he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There is diligence in this seeking, not lust. A diligent man knows how to seek God. If I had time, I would teach you. How do we seek God? How do we seek God? Why is it that some people pray for two minutes and God hears them? And some people pray for a decade and they don't feel like the heart. They don't see the answer. They have not connected to the heart of the Father. They're always there to receive whatever his hand is able to give. Now, this kind of sermon, I'm teaching humility. Like, what is it for them? No, they've lost the wisdom. 
You remember Mary and Martha, these two ladies, I think, invite Jesus Christ on a feast. Some theologians say it was a feast of Purim. Martha goes cooking. She does everything in her own power so she can receive something from this man. And so she comes, Master, don't you care? But as I'm serving you in the kitchen, my sister is seated here. Oh, Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, 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 you are careful and troubled about many things. God branded her a troubled woman. Do you want to know why he branded her a troubled woman? Because she lost the point. He preferred her receiving of his wisdom than preparing bread for him to speak into her destiny. And with that last, I have seen people sowing seeds. With that last, I've seen people fasting, going on prayer mountains, taking flights, doing everything. Ten years down the road, nothing has changed with them. Nothing. They're just growing older. Nothing. Because they've lost the point. The principles, you're not going to go beyond or skip because you want to connect to the thing you are lasting. Yes, Jezebel, 100%. Because she'd pay any price for power. Praise the Lord Jesus. She'd pay any price for power. There are people here who can do anything for the anointing, but they cannot do much for the heart of God. They can do anything for breakthrough. Tell her, give this much, and your children will all be delivered. She'll give it. But if you tell her, give this, and we'll have 200 souls won, they can't. Because everything is there to fulfill their individual personal desire. And the biggest percentage of the Christians, even most well-meaning, are in this bracket. Unfortunately. Are you following me, child of God? So this is something that is even too bitter to repeat when you're alone. You get what I'm saying? Eh? If I was preaching something like, Recover all tomorrow. Ah. Me too, me too, me too. You understand what I'm saying? Breakthrough next week. Me too, me too, me too. Are you following me, child of God? But teach the things concerning the heart. And it will take a deeply, deeply dead person to understand what God is saying. Oh, no, no, I want power. No, I mean, uh, 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 uh. Guys, let's not miss this. When we are on that gathering of celebration, I was the one serving you on that table. You've always wanted to be like me. In what? Power? Yay. Authority? Yay. Anointing? Yay. Glory? Yay. Cleaning the tables? No. Back to sender. Back to sender. Back to sender. Times three. I'm talking to people who must take God's best. The Bible says in Proverbs 15.33, if you read the Amplified Version, the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord brings instruction in wisdom. In other words, if a man is not instructed in wisdom, doesn't matter how much power they possess, that man has no fear of the Lord. 
and I've seen it. Sometimes I put on YouTube videos and I weep literally. My heart. You see a great gift, but without wisdom. Because when they went to seek, they only sought for the gift. Not the wisdom that should follow. The office that God has given them. And it also opened my eyes to the blindness in the world. People don't know the truth. If you've been under a good teacher for some time, you'd find it hard to even watch some people. People don't know the truth anymore. If you go to present day person and ask them, who is an apostle? Very poor can answer who a true apostle is. But the titles are many. If you ask somebody today, who is a true prophet? Who is a prophet? You'd be shocked. The garbage they would introduce as prophet. I'm telling you, and this heaven bears witness, something is wrong in the church. Something's wrong. Something is wrong. And it's not pointing on Christ, it's pointing somewhere else. And I see a very deep hole and people are sinking every day because they are lasting for a prophecy. They are lasting for a word of knowledge from the apostle. They are lasting for a breakthrough message. They are stressed. They are lasting for something to uplift their spirit. And all of that was okay. If only they had not lost that communion they should have with God to hear the desires of his heart. Let me give you a clue. Maybe some of you who are waking up because many people are asleep, but I can help some of you who are awakened. How can you stand before 5, 10, 50,000 people and not care who receives the Lordship of Jesus? How can you stand before 30,000 people and not care that a man should be converted that day for heaven? Who are you lifting? This Jesus says, lift me up and I'll draw men to myself. So who are you lifting if you cannot give the opportunity for a man to receive the Lordship of Jesus Christ? What are we doing this for? How does a man stand on the altar for two hours and demonstrate the gift and everything it can give them and take from everyone what the gift can collect and just walk out every Sunday? And because you're dealing with an everlasting spirit, they just need to see that bone dangling. The dog will follow. They just need to see that biscuit. Next week, ah, God is going to speak. You come. Come with a seed. Oh, they're coming with a seed. To pay for God to speak what he could have told them on their dinner table. Because why you speak like that? Because I have studied those people. You study them for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, and look at them. Nothing changes. They're always living in this promise eh, of something to come that never comes. It's 10 years, they've been prophesied on, prophet lied, prophet that, whatever prophet. But nothing has changed. They've been preached into a sermon. Next week this is happening. You study the person 10 years, 15 years. They might not be a prophet, they might be under an apostle, they might be under some wonderful teacher who is using, you know, craftiness and the wisdom of, you know, of the fallen world. Someone who is persuasive because people don't separate persuasion from truth. They don't know the difference. They don't separate revelation from semantics and good vocabulary because you can juxtapose things and integrate, disintegrate and 
you know, connect jargons to discombobulate them. I say, ah, this brother is deep, this sister is deep. It's more than vocabulary. No, crippled bones don't hear vocabulary. Tumors don't listen to vocabulary. They listen to power. So today we have many people who can't sift. They can't tell the difference. Oh, why are you talking about this person? Why no, I'm not talking about people. You see, the office of the apostle requires me to say these things. Because I've seen people. I'm telling you, I'll give you an example. Study people who have four or five teachers. There is something stuck in their life. If it's not a financial issue, it's marital. If it's not married, it's something, but it's stuck. Because they can't even hear who God gave them. Do you understand? They can't even listen to that one shepherd. I'm not saying that I'm against resourcing. No, you can, you know, I'm not against you. You can be, uh, maybe you listen to this one and the three, you can connect your resource. That's okay. I'm only trying to tell you that as you continue growing, your resources will reduce. Ecclesiastes 12, 11. It says, The words of the wise are as gods and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. First, no. Who is your teacher? Okay, you have 17 of them on YouTube and all of that, but who is your teacher? Who have you marked spiritually and said, God, there's a resource, but there's this one person. If you speak through them, I will believe you. If I am not that teacher, for me, I'm okay. Because I would rather you find your teacher elsewhere than failing. Because you're mixed there are 20 in your head and all of them have instructions. We're fasting for 40 days, we're fasting for 30. Which one do you follow? <laughs> we're praying at midnight tomorrow morning. I have for us to praying at 2. Which do you follow? Can you serve two at a go? You think God was stupid? Do you understand what I'm saying? You think God was stupid to appoint somebody far from the bearings of your positioning spiritually. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know why when God had promised Simeon that he would see the salvation of the Lord before he dies, somehow the family of the Christ found its way to him? Do you know why? Do you know that it was important the geographical location of Jesus and Simeon? Because the promise God had made on Simeon, to Simeon. Do you think God will take Jesus north when Simeon is south? He can't. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible is clear. Your shepherd will be near you. He said, I will not hide their shepherds from them. No. I will not hide your teachers. They shall not be removed into a corner your eyes shall see them. They shall see them. See so somebody, oh, so, who's your pastor? And then they tell you someone in Bahamas, then you tell them. Now, who marries you off? You understand? Who is in the crisis of life in your house? Is it the guy in Bahamas? 
You understand what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that you cannot receive from across the world because there are many gifts God has given us. But who is your voice? Because some of you, it's not even divine instruction. It's lust. You stand at the person 10, 15 years with all this. And listen, I have met people who are 60, 50, and they did that all their youth life. They're the most depressed people I've ever seen. And they sit down with this conversation, Apostle Grace, I have moved. That's the beginning of full stop. I went to Pastor so-and-so, then I went to Pastor so-and-so, then I went to Pastor so-and-so. Nothing has happened in their lives. Nothing. As if they're beginning life. And I want to tell this individual, if you switched 20 pastors, who was the common denominator? Talk to me. All of the 20 were wrong. And you, the common denominator, was right. But when you go in the heart of this person, there's a person who is not awakened enough to pursue the heart of God above the lusts that they're dealing with. She wants a man quicker than the wisdom to keep that man. Do you understand? He wants an anointing quicker than the wisdom to build the ministry. So what does he do? He looks for shortcuts. And I have met very anointed but dysfunctional beings. They're deeply anointed but dysfunctionally confused and confused. Dysfunctional and confused. You're following what I'm saying? Don't be like a babe tossed to and fro by every wind. Some of you are like that. Every wind blows you. It just needs to speak. The Bible speaks of that as babe. Because now you have the slay of men and cunning craftinesses whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That is why the biggest transactors of this craft are the most deceived, I know. So they are full of doctrine but no manifestation. They think they are deep, they speak deep, they connect to depth. This is deeper. Then you ask, when you became deeper, how did your marriage change? From the day you met at so Grace and it was deep, did that change your child? No, because it's more than just meeting a good teacher. There are deeper principles that you must understand. God works a certain way. Are you learning something? So, Jesus is saying, you are in all of that and that's important. But understand some of these things. Did you know that if I was at a party, I would be serving on a table? I would not seek their attention? Oh, and do you know, if you understand this, I will honor you. And did you know that if I honor you this way, some of the things you're praying for will be fixed in the honor? Now, it's also hard to tell it to a man who is a lasting because they can start serving tables out of lust. Not out of love and purpose. Are we learning something? Is this a popular someone? These are the ones you want. Next year you're in England. You see people even clapping already. Even in the example. In the example, just in the example, somebody's already dying. Even the example alone, it awakens some old spirit. It's there. It just needs to be stirred. 
this is the year of your marriage. You see? Even after warning, the thing still works. So, you see, not that it's wrong to declare this, but why do you want to get married? Why do you want to have children? Why do you want a visa to America? Why do you want a promotion in that bank? Is the heart of God revealed in this mystery? Or is the lust of the flesh? Humility, he says, the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord brings instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Before honor comes humility. He says, I will honor you, but humble yourself first. You see, that's the kingdom. We ascend by descending. Do you understand? We ascend by what? We increase by what? Decrease. And that's the thing that opened my eyes years ago. The Lord told me, I will make you as strong as you're humble. You are as strong as you are humble. And you are as weak as you're proud. And now, he's even more emphasizing on this when he's speaking to ministers. In 1 Peter chapter 5, from verse 1, if you read the Amplified Version. Now some of you might say, ah, now Apostle has gone on the ministers. No. Count yourself a minister as well, because you might not be a minister now, but you're going to be one someday, or some of you are serving in, you know, different aspects of ministry. All of that is for you. He says, I want and counsel the elders among you, that is the pastors and spiritual guides of the church, as if to imply anybody that will have a position of leadership in the church, even if you're leading people who are cleaning the toilet. I'm talking to you right now. But in there as well, he talks to us which are led. So, let's continue. He says, as a fellow elder and as an eyewitness called to testify of the servants of Christ, as well as a sharer in the glory, the honor and splendor that is to be revealed, disclosed and folded, he tells them, tend, nurture, guard, guide and fold the flock of God that is your responsibility. Not by coercion. Who is following? Or constrained, but willingly. Not dishonorably motivated, listen, by the advantages and profits belonging to the office. Because Paul saw a day where some people might do everything they're expected to do because of the advantages and profits belonging to the office. I've worked with people who just sold for positions to get a visa. They were just looking for a visa. And whatever it took them to serve to get that visa, they would serve. So where's the heart? Someone needs a job and they tell him you need a recommendation from that man of God. And then they come with a broom and start sweeping when you're watching them. Ah, hi, Apostle. You know, I need a recommendation. I've never met you. Ah, but I sweep here every day. I think every time you come, I'm behind. Are you seeing what I'm saying? They're taking advantage. Their heart is not there. You join a choir 
you see a very handsome boy. And that's the day you join the choir. Taking advantage of your office. So when you're dancing, he makes a way. <laughs> Where there seems no way. You're motivated by the advantages and profits that come with being in the choir. You're literally an advert. You're singing until some guy comes and tells you, you know what? Let me take you off that leash. Because you, you feel like a dog on a leash. You're, you're rehearsing, you're doing everything, but you're saying, Father, that day. That day, the moment he says, you're the Next thing you know, Mama Sandra of the choir is calling, hey, you're lost. Where are you? Eh, she's in things. <laughs> the Lord has supplied all her needs according to his riches in glory. In Christ. <laughs> Somebody shout fire. <laughs> Verses 3. Not domineering as arrogant, dictatorial, and overbearing persons over those in your church. Over those in your church. Do not domineer. Do not be dictatorial. Do not be overbearing. And you know, I hear the language of such people and it disturbs me. It disturbs me. Let me teach you something about leading people. One of the secrets I knew very early, if you're going to lead, and I'm talking about leading many, but it's also important the kind of people you lead. See, you can only lead failures. I'm talking about leading many and great people. Being able to harness greatness under your wings or cloud with such great people. But yet they believe in you and the gift of God on your life. You can choose to either be a positional leader or an influential leader. Influence is different from position. Because some of you, you earned the position. You just earned the position. You went to Bible school and graduated with a degree of divinity and you were appointed to serve in a certain church. That's position. Some of you, you had somebody and then they felt like they could promote you into some office and they gave you that office and you started serving. That's position. Some of you, you got married to somebody who was already influential. And then, by virtue of that fact, the next day, the crown on your life changed. And tomorrow you're living under some glory. You were sitting in the back. Now you're in front. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That's position. You were appointed to lead the choir. That's positional. And you can stay in there and do everything you know to do because you were appointed. Then you end up being a dictator, overbearing, arrogant, 
domineering. Every leader has to shift from position to influence. Influence is the spirit, one, that wins men over to you. You win them. And when a man's heart is one, they yield to your instruction. The Bible says, your people shall be willing in your day of power. Leaders don't manage people. True leaders manage situations, manage circumstances, and lead people. Oh, this person is failing me. Say, don't worry, I'll manage them. No, you can't manage human beings. That's wrong leadership. Because if you go to manage, you'll dictate. You'll overbear. You'll dominate and infuse that whole atmosphere with the very spirit of pride and destruction. People are led, not managed. Situations can be managed. I will manage the situation. But you can't say, I'm going to manage Pastor Zach. You can't manage people. There is nobody in this world. Even God can't manage some individuals. Why? Because he gave them free will. They have the choice to choose him or not and he's not going to hang them because they've refused. If God can't manage some of you, yet he is God because he gave you the will. Why? He doesn't want to manage you by force and thunder. He doesn't want you to see a scary movie and then come to heaven. You know some of you, you were scared into the kingdom. So if you find a man to love you out, you might stumble. He wants to love you into the kingdom. That's how he has led. He draws us with love. He wants to do enough to capture your heart, to adore him and say, now you are Lord of my life. I don't know who is learning something. That's a true leader. And there are three things that you can do as a leader to shift from position to influential. One, make sure you're worth your salt. Invest in yourself. Fit the office. You're leading. Every time you talk, you look more ignorant. And the people you're leading, every time you talk, you look dumber. You see what I'm saying? Earn your right to speak. If you're leading the choir, study everything there is about leading the choir. If you're leading security, study everything a security leader should know. They should be here. Because you're teaching. You speak and they learn. But you're teaching, but every time your juniors are teaching you. That's positional. I'm not saying we don't learn from people below us. I do learn from people below me. But they trust what I know. And they trust that I know. You invest in yourself. You see what I'm saying? Two, very important. Live by example. Oh, 
you know, guys, it's very important for us to go out on a Tuesday morning. Souls are dying on the streets and none of us is doing anything to win those souls. So basically next Tuesday, we're going to be on the streets preaching the gospel. And so I would like, they even use the word I would like, not kindly. No, I would like all of us tomorrow to be on the streets. All of us. You use the word all of us. Next day, the kids are on the streets. They're eating breakfast. 7 a.m. They're on the streets preaching. You're comfortable. Sleeping. You can't influence much because you're not setting the example. That's why when I tell us street preaching, I go. Hospital ministry, I go. Prisons ministry, I go. Why? Because I must tell them or show them that everything I am influencing you to do, I do myself. Nothing teaches like an example. Nothing teaches, I repeat that, like an example. You set your pace right. That's what me and my wife decided. We agreed, we're not going to. No, let's just set examples. They will look at us and learn. One time, a lady came at the gate and my wife opened. She didn't know it was my wife. She thought it was. There's no more girls. Oh. Open the gate. Oh, she drove in with her car. You know, she went on maxing. Uh -huh, you know, she enters and says, Somebody says, Oh, did you know the person who opened is a person? Oh my God, Mama! In Africa, we do like. Whether that woman knows what would have happened if even if it was not my wife who opened that gate, even if it wasn't my wife, if she could just stand and say, thank you. No, but these are the usual people around. You see? If it wasn't my wife, there was not going to be a second look. But because it's my wife, oh, mama, you see? Oh, but that has a correlation with where you're going in life. You just don't know. But God does know. I, I don't know how to tell somebody there's something with that that can help me predict your marital destiny. I don't know why biblically I see these things. Who ever knew that how Michael treated David would have something to do with her barrenness? Who could connect that? What has this one got to do? Like in the words of Isaiah, my people do not consider. We're not a contemplating generation. I think it's one three. The ox knoweth his honor, the ass his master scream, but Israel does not know, and my people do not consider. Some people don't deeply contemplate to connect things. To connect things. But you want to skip that principle and think that a prophet will prophesy it in your life. Oh yes, they can prophesy it and it still doesn't come to pass. Not because the prophet is wrong, but you're just not ready. Are you following what I'm saying? Abraham's miracle delayed. God had prophesied it. But there was a delay. Because Sarah, they needed to adjust 
to the face God required of them. That means that God hasn't spoken. Are you learning something? Let's continue. So I say two examples. Right? And that's why the scriptures tell you here, verses 3, not domineering as arrogant, dictatorial, and overbearing persons over those in your church, but being, being examples, patterns, and models of a Christian living to the flock of the congregation. Set your example. Don't impose. The people around me know. If you have served with me for years, you will know. If I find a toilet and you're supposed to clean it and you don't, I'll just get everything I need and I'll clean it and walk away. I'll leave such guilt on you, you'll take like three months without looking at me straight in the face. I'll not say anything. I'll just clean it and walk away. Because that's how God has taught me. You refuse to do it, I do it. I do it. And then set the example. Or, if you refuse to fulfill your roles, I take one every day that you can't manage. I put it elsewhere. I give it to somebody else. One day you wake up and you don't have a role. Yeah, because if you're not faithful in that one, I take it away. I say, maybe I overappointed. Yeah, I take it away. Slowly by slowly. One day you wake up and you don't have a role. And I can still pay you your full amount and reduce your roles. Because for me, it's not the money. It's not the money. You see what I'm saying? Number three, like you invest in yourself and set the example. Live to add value to men. Add value. Let everyone around you see that you've added something on their lives. Do you know there are people? Some of you probably are in families. Some probably are in your workplace. Committees or whatever. Do you know there are people you could study your life and you have a friend or a brother or a relative. You have someone in your life and they've never even given you 1,000 shillings. Like they've never added value on you for even a thousand to say, you know, go and take a sword. Even 1,000, they've never, their hands are always like this. And some are usually takers. Now imagine that person is in a position of leadership. Again, I emphasize the word position. People who are not givers are always takers. There's no way around that. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's continue. Verses 4, and then when the chief shepherd is revealed, you will win the conqueror's crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger and of less rank, be subject to the elders, the ministers and spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Because I see some random, poorly upbrought kid. Who's going to say, Apostle Grace told you not to talk to us that you're dictatorial. What? Look at you. What are you doing? If you're less in rank, the Lord tells you also respect and yield to the counsel of your leadership. Yielding pacified great offenses. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with what? Read. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with what? Humility as a garb of a servant so, so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you. With freedom from what? Pride and arrogance toward one another. For God sets himself against the... I fear that portion. God sets himself against the proud. 
What does that mean? He sets himself against the pride in you. Because God cannot be against you, but he can set himself against the pride in you. And the Bible says, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, and the boastful. And he opposes, frustrates, and defeats them. from me not me not me but the bible says he gives grace favor and blessing to the humble in other words if you carry pride this is the right way to help you understand this you're going to frustrate many things spiritually why because god is frustrated with that pride you're going to be defeated in certain things because the pride on your life cannot allow you to scale up to certain glories and i've seen it all the time and you know what? They skip that and look for a man of God to prophesy. Continue. Move. Look for the holy apostles and prophets to prophesy in your life. You are going to move. Still going to take you back to consider what is required of heaven for you to do. Verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you. You are as powerful as you are. Look at a man who is weak. They need to self-examine and pray. Even in the things that are hidden. There are things that are hidden. Like this portion of scripture gives us a very wonderful hidden instruction. It says, let's read from verses 6 and 7 as though there were no verses. Let's read as if it's a continuation of a conversation. It says, therefore humble yourselves, demote lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you, comma, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Have you picked something there? Give me the KJV. Probably some will understand it in KJV. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And now there's a full column. And that by language tells us that what is coming next is as a consequence of what he has spoken in this verse. Uh-huh. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Meaning, if you find a person who is constantly worrying, fearful, anxious, unstable about life, examine their place with God. They are dealing with pride. To say, eh, how will I do this? Yet you have a God who is available to do it. You're telling him, yes, you're my God, but I don't trust you to handle this. This is my business now. That's you saying, I'll not cast my cares on you. I know you care, but your care doesn't seem to bail me out of this. So let me use my own wisdom. And in using your own wisdom, you're dealing with a certain place of pride. You just didn't know. Now you know today. So when you talk about humility, there's a place of learning to entirely lean your personality on the God of your salvation. People who are proud can't function in faith because faith is an entire leaning. You literally give yourself and say, Father, let's go. I'm not going to carry this. But God says it takes great humility. You know, we have people with false humility in the church. We have some of the serious prayers. Father, even if you don't do more, I'm okay. Ah, not me, continue. Oh my, yes. 
you said exceedingly abundantly above. Even if you don't know more, what do you mean even if you don't know more? What's your problem? Have you had enough already? Have you filled the stadium? Have you saved billions of people yet? Ah, we're still working. Continue. Working in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Be very careful. Your anxieties are pride. That is why the Bible says in Proverbs 18:12, before destruction the heart of man is haughty and before honor is humility. Let's repeat it again. Before destruction pride comes. Before any destruction pride comes. That means humility is redemption. Humility is restoration. Humility is healing. And he has repeated it again. Before honor is humility. Now, in such sermons, I can't determine how you pray because I don't know where you are individually. I can let you pray in a minute and just talk to God from your heart as how this sermon finds you and honestly pray from here. Now open your mouth and speak to God. Speak to God. Tell him, Father, I repent. Where I've not walked as I ought. You tell me you mourn. You use me, feel me, cause I can't lie to the poor has hand. You call me, you guide me, you lead me, you walk beside me, cause I can't lie to the poor Father, we thank you for your word. Help us. Help us pursue your heart beyond what your hand can give us. Help us look to the things of heaven and the convictions of purpose. Help us walk in humility, not as a way to attain power, 
but to emulate your heart in Jesus name if you're sick in your body i speak healing if you're bound anywhere i speak freedom in the mighty name of Jesus if you're there and you've never given your life to Christ and you want to give him the opportunity to live in you break your pride and humble right now if you're there and you say i want to give my life to Jesus from the bottom of your heart just repeat these words after me say father i thank you for the gift of Jesus i thank you because he shed his blood for my sins and was raised for my glory today i receive you jesus as my personal lord and savior i cannot change myself but you can change me i commit my life to you help me transform me Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at fenero.org. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.